talked to my mom actually. She had this brilliant idea. She's like, why don't you have your customers help you with your customer support? All in all, they did a fantastic job and at least one of those people is actually still with us today. He's our product manager. In our travels in general, we talk with the girls and we make sure that we're going places that we all want to go. There are families doing this at pretty much every budget and life situation you can imagine. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to the Business Brilliance Podcast, where every week we talk to business owners and entrepreneurs and get to know their business brilliance and share it with you. I am your host, Michael Santonato, and I'm a business owner and entrepreneur myself, and I just love talking business. Not like big corporate conglomerate business, but real grassroots, everyday people business. So if you're like me and you want to know what makes business owners successful and brilliant, and you love the journey of the entrepreneur from nothing to something, then join us every week and share it with a friend as we peel back the brilliance and implement it in our life and business. Now let's get on with the episode. Welcome everyone to the Business Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Michael Santanato. And we have another amazing episode here for you guys. Listen, this is a very, very special treat for me. I am doing this interview purely selfishly, but also for you. We have someone on the show today who has a really what I would call ideal lifestyle. I mean, this guy is living the ideal life. It's Brandon Pierce, and he's the CEO and founder of Music Teacher Helper. But he's also founded some other businesses, which he works on, I'm willing to bet, less than you or me work in our business. I'm willing to bet that he spends less time in his business than you and I do, guaranteed. And I would probably put up my house, my life savings, my car on that bet. Listen to this. He's traveled for over 10 years. He's got three kids. He travels with his family and his wife. They've been to over 40 countries. And he's been featured on the four-hour work week, the $100 startup, and other amazing seminal masterpiece books on business that you and I look to and listen to today. He also has some pictures where he actually looks like Jesus, by the way. I found that out creeping his Facebook. His first business requires less than one hour work per week, and he often makes funny and silly faces in the mirror, which, thank goodness, sounds like he does not take himself too seriously. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost past his bedtime because he is currently living overseas across the world in Bali. So much to talk about. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show today. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. So I'm guessing the sun has set where you are right now in Bali? Yeah, about uh, four hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) And the kids are are sleeping? Yeah, they're kind of uh, leaning toward that. Yeah, they're probably reading a book. One of them's probably reading a book with mom. Other ones are in bed probably. We're getting ready for it. That's amazing. So, you know, there's so much to talk about. Thank you again for, you know, giving us your time especially since this is family time. And what's great is you're a family man. You've got your three kids. You're traveling the world with your wife and your three kids. That's true. Yes, they're currently 15, 13, and seven years old. And we've been doing it since uh, the third one was born. So about 10 years now. And how do they like it? Like, give it to me straight. Do they love this or what? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to depend on the day. <laughs> um, some days we all absolutely love it. Some days we're ready to throw in the towel. So it just depends on, I mean, we have been doing this for so long that the novelty of new places has often worn off before we even got there. 
No way. Because we've been to so many countries, uh, I mean, there are a few places that we're all, one or more of us are excited to go to and experience. But for the most part, the idea of travel for travel's sake has kind of worn off its excitement for us. So now our travels are more centered around uh, specific things that we want to do as people we want to hang out with or events that we're putting on. We host several events for, for traveling families around the world and things like that. So that's kind of where our travel is leaning. And, and some days our kids are like, oh, we've only been here for a month. We were starting to make friends. Then I have to say goodbye. And that's, that's hard. So typically we all like to spend longer in the places that we're in rather than a shorter time. That's one thing that's, I guess we've learned over the years is that fast travel is, is fun, but it's really exhausting. And we like to stay in places for several months at a time to really deep dive into the communities there, get to know people, get to make friends. And when we do that, we all tend to have an awesome time. Okay, so you've found through your years, through the travels, that staying for longer periods of time is better than kind of short trips. I mean, it depends on what you're wanting. Sometimes the short trips are great if you just want a quick vacation, a break from something, or if you just need to take a visa run to renew your visa from a country. We just spent two weeks in Laos here from Bali as a visa run. But for the most part, yeah, we're, we're, we've been here for about, we arrived early December and now it's April. We're going to be here till the end of May with just two trips in between, one to India, one to Laos as visa runs for a couple of weeks. So that's kind of how we're rolling uh, recently. And then when we go to Europe in the summer, we'll be scoping out locations for the Family Adventure Summit and, and the events that we're holding and, and running our retreat in, in Romania. So stuff like that. Let's get this all on the table here. So you have a business called Music Teachers Helper, which you've been doing for over 10 years, I think. That one's actually over 14, 15 years now. I launched it 2004, early 2004. Wow. So Music Teachers Helper has been around for almost 15 years or 15 years. And you've also got family mastermind events now. You got three different ones. You have like family adventure, you have family mastermind, and then you have like family like how-to or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's Family Adventure Summit is the big event that we hold each year in different parts of the world for uh, usually around 400 people come and it's families who are either wanting to travel or who already are and we get them together to support and encourage each other and we have a lot of fun, a lot of family kid programs, a lot of great speakers and, and sessions and everything and it's, it's a blast. Then there's the Family Adventure Academy, which is probably the one you're referring to with the mastermind. This is a three-day boot camp style event that we hold in the States, right? This year, it's going to be in Seattle, August 16th to 18th. And that is a little bit more, it's just for parents, but it's more intense. And it, it's really delivering all of the, the things that I guess our team has learned over the past uh, several decades of travel as the Family Adventure Summit team puts it on. And so it's uh, everything around how to educate your kids on the road from birth to university to the logistical things of travel and how to do it effectively to starting businesses and how to earn location independent income and create thriving family relationships along the way. And then the other event that we have is the at home in the world family retreat. And this is more of a deep dive. It's like two weeks together with just a very small number of families, five to 10 families. And we go deep into really exploring how to create those deeper family connections. And we do it in the context of really being at home with yourself, at home with your family, and at home in the world, wherever you happen to be. Those are the three big events that we put on each year. Wow, powerful. So I feel like you've covered a lot of the necessary bases here. 
there's no way that you all at once said, we need to have these three events. I'm guessing that you learned, <laughs> you know, you, you probably learned through experimenting and talking to families in your target market. You know, what do you guys need? Yes, uh, that definitely. And also it just, it came out of our own need as well. I, I think we started Family Adventure Summit our first year was, this is the third year. We're doing it here in Bali in October. Last year was in Mexico. The first year was in British Columbia. And it came because we were at a point in life where we had, we had been traveling forever. We'd settled down. We'd just kind of gone into this period of integration and introspection, trying to understand ourselves and grow a little bit as individuals as well. And I reached a point where I'm like, you know, I've focused so much of my life on myself, on my family, and I want to do something that is a little bit more meaningful, that's kind of giving back in a way. And I wasn't really sure what that was. But at the same time, we also wanted to create more community. We felt like a little bit lonely, I guess you could say, because moving around so much and we wanted to, to really surround ourselves with the people who inspired us and who we could also inspire and support. So as we were traveling, we ran into people who were like, man, I wish we could do what you're doing and travel the world and, and everything. And, and I realized that we actually had the information and the, I, I guess one framework of, of how they could do that. Our way, of course, is just one way to do it. And we realized with the hundreds, now thousands of other families out there doing it, if we could bring them all together in one space, it would be awesome. So that's why we created the first event, Family Adventure Summit. And the first year was, we had 200 people there and it was so much fun. Like the energy was just super high. Everyone's excited. Everyone's so supported and came away with amazing friends. And, and so many people have just met up around the world in different places, wherever they are from friends they made at Family Adventure Summit. The other events came later. Uh, the retreats came, again, because we wanted to go even deeper. And, and then the Family Adventure Academy, because we realized that we, I mean, we're holding Family Adventure Summit in different spots around the world internationally each year. But a lot of families, especially you know, back in the States and Canada, they are maybe not even sure that they want to do this yet. Or maybe they're kind of ready, but maybe they, they don't know if they want to. They're not ready to just jump out on an international trip. you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, this event is really to offer support to the people in that group who wanted a little bit more handholding, who wanted all the information, all their questions answered up front before they step out the door. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I guess, the, <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the timeline for how those were created. Yeah, not all at once. What I hear is that you built them out of your own personal need. Yeah, at least with Family Adventure Summit and I would say also the retreats. With Family Adventure Academy, I mean, I, I learned something with all of these events that, that I do, and I, I love the connections that we make. But that one, I feel like is more for the service aspect, more to be giving and, and to be able to share what I've got with others. You know, your other business too, like Music Teacher's Helper, which was your first mm -hmm. business, this is one that you also built out of a need, a personal need, right? It's true. That's how I go about business building, I guess. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I used to um, teach piano lessons and I ran into the issue where my students would come and ask me how much they owe or when their next lesson is or the parents would wonder what happened to the lesson. And I just realized oh, there's got to be a better way to keep track of all this stuff. And so I, as a programmer, I've been programming since I was a kid and also went to, I was going to college for it at the time. I developed a, a little software program to help keep track of my piano students and all the billing and the scheduling stuff. And started using it. And then eventually other teachers saw what I was doing and thought it was great and wondered if they could use it too. And I decided to turn it into a business. And in a nutshell, that's what launched uh, Music Teachers Helper back in 2004. 
And it took years to get off the ground to the point where it could actually sustain our family. But, you know, then it quickly got to the high six figure level and been able to, you know, hire a team and everything. And that's, that's what's now the, it went through a four hour work week period, but yeah, now it's one hour work week. Basically I've, I've hired a CEO to, to basically run it all for me. Amazing. Amazing. Really incredible. 15 years. You know, it, it seems like such a long time, but it also makes sense that it would take this kind of time. Like, where's it at now? Where, where can you give us the high level overview? Anything from team members, staff, revenue, user base? Yeah. So we've got, uh, got as I mentioned, CEO who's, who's kind of running. I'm, I'm taking more of a founder role at the moment. And in the early days, of course, at the first probably four years, maybe three years, I was doing absolutely everything. Yeah. Customer support, marketing, graphics, design, programming, everything. But since then, I mean, we've, of course, hired support team. We, I hired programmers next. No, I think I hired programmers first and then support. And then, you know, marketing and product managers and project managers. And just, you know, all, all the, the people you need in a, <laughs> in a business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that pretty much our team now. We, I don't know. Like for me at this point, I'm just kind of watching it. You know, I, I give a little bit of insight here and there as the CEO and I have little chats, but for the most part, I'm, I'm, and he's, he's much more skilled at it, honestly, than I ever was. He really knows his stuff and he's experienced at what he's doing and able to do a lot more with the company more efficiently than I did. So it's, it's cool to see where it's, where it's going and where it's growing. So this to me is deeply fascinating. And I know that, you know, a business is kind of like a baby. You have a baby, you got to constantly nurture it, care for it, 24 hours, no sleep, no, no, no. Seems like you went through that path and, mm-hmm. you know, thank goodness it's over. I look at my own life and my own, <laughs> my own similar experiences, you know. Where did you find him? How did you find him? And, and does he have a background in music or running businesses or what? Um, yeah, I found him on Upwork, actually. I hired him initially as um, a consultant. And because I just realized I, I was reaching the state of growth and I'm like, I don't know what to do, like how to, how to break through this next level. And, um, and so I hired him as a consultant and then eventually moved him into finance, which I realized is where the business needed, where what he and I agree that the business needed most help. And then he started taking on marketing and then I'm realizing why, why am I, he's got experience running several businesses but yeah, I, I decided, man, let's just, let's just have him do the whole thing. <laughs> I found out he was a, a much better uh, manager of people than I was. And he just, he's, he was so organized and so responsive and so like measured everything. It was just, mm. yeah, it's just, I found a great person. And I think that's really what it takes. I've hired a few people over the years who haven't been great. And it's made little messes that I've had to clean up, you know, mm-hmm. or um, you know, little things that later you discover, oh, that was back from when, when this guy was running the show and like, now we have to fix that, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, because uh, as, as a four hour work week entrepreneur, like I don't always have my hands in everything, you know, right. In the early days I did. And I was in complete control, even though I was not skilled at what I was doing. I was learning as I went, I knew everything about the business. As I hired more people, I had to let go of that a little bit and had to realize I had, to, I had to trust, I guess, trust people. And sometimes that trust was misgiven, if that's a word. Yeah. Or I just didn't, you know, pay enough attention to notice when things weren't, when they weren't doing it as well as, as I would have. Sometimes like, well, you're not doing it as well as I can. I can see that, but 
you know, it's good enough or whatever. That's how things are. Or it's like, no, this isn't working. We need to find another solution or let you go or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've had all of those experiences. And yeah, this CEO is um, just one I've been impressed with. And, and he's done a great job so far. Absolutely extraordinary. I am deeply fascinated with letting go of control. I think for me, because I'm in my seventh year now in business and I feel like I know enough and I know how to, you know, turn a profit and make a sale and all that stuff and keep my Mm -hmm. head on straight and marketing and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like the next step for me and a lot of business owners that we, we fail to take or we hesitate to take is giving up control. That has to be the key to scaling and growing at a certain point. So talk to me about letting go of control. What did you need to do? How did you do it? How did you accept it? How did it happen? It's been a rough ride. Um, if I think back to the earliest experience of it, like I remember I was doing customer support. And I actually had experience doing customer support. I used to work in a call center. That's what I was doing before I got my first programming job. I was doing dial-up internet tech support in a call center in the early 2000s. And so I knew customer support really well. I had documented a whole bunch of like common answers, answers to common questions and everything. I'm like, so all I need to do, this is right after I, I read the four-hour work week, I decided to, to like hire people from India or whatever to help, you know, make the customer support better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I won't have to think about it. I can just hand it off to them and they'll do it and it'll be great. And so I, I like hire this company from India that's going to do the customer support. And I give them this document with all the answers to all the questions. And it was an absolute nightmare. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they, the customers would write in questions and they would just give totally the wrong answer. It would be like unintelligible English or it would just be awful. And I couldn't handle seeing my customers being treated that way. <laughs> and so I quickly let them go and took it back. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I've, I've got to keep doing the customer support myself for right now. But then I was talking to people about it. I talked to my mom, actually. And she had this brilliant idea. She's like, why don't you have your customers help you with your customer support? Because they know the product. They speak English. They're music teachers themselves. They're your customers. They care. All of this. I'm like, well, that's an interesting idea. So I, I put a blog post up saying, if anyone wants to help us out on our customer support team, we'll give you a free account to the program, free subscription to the program, and we'll pay you like it was $1.50 an email or something like that for every email you answer. And, and then I created like this you know, company email account they could log into and check the messages and answer them from there. It was amazing and it helped them. They really did a good job. I had to train them a little bit, you know, but I was able to, at that point, still maintain complete control and look over all the messages and keep track of how much time they were spending and blah, blah, blah. I had systems in place for that. But all in all, they did a fantastic job. And at least one of those people is actually still with us today. He's our product manager. So that's like, he's probably been with us over 10 years. And now some great resources that we are excited to share with you www.whatsmyrefund.com. Whatsmyrefund.com is a website that will bring you to a tax recovery service for Canadians. This is a fantastic company that I've used over the years, and I think it's a brilliant resource. I just have to share it with you. Did you know that there are over $2 billion that the Canadian government knows they owe to Canadian citizens? This is a tax recovery service that will go through 10 years of your taxes for you on your behalf using a brilliant algorithm that they've created, which will quickly and instantly recognize in a short period of time if you have money that's owing to you from the government. They charge nothing upfront, 
If they find anything, their fee is 33% of whatever they recover. It takes two minutes to fill out the application online, and you'll know within a short period of time if you'll be getting a refund. I myself personally have received over $3,000 from a refund, and this is after my father and I completed our taxes together. Oh, and by the way, my dad was a bank manager, and he completed taxes for people on the regular. Much love, Dad. Thank you so much. But this service is dedicated to your tax recovery. Go to www.whatsmyrefund.com. <laughs> wow. Brandon, you're telling me your mom told you that your customers should be your customer support team. Yeah, that's right. Is your mom like a Mensa graduate or something? Or is she just like a serial <laughs> entrepreneur? She's a brilliant woman and she is entrepreneurial. Absolutely. Uh, she's never had like a big business or anything like that, but she's, she's a brilliant, mul very multi-talented woman. Wow. Wow. I'm amazed. Something on my brain is, is turning on there. Something in the, in the left mid part of my brain is like <laughs> pumping. Some blood is really going there hard right now. I want to know about music teachers helper a little more. How many times did you, did you pivot? Did you change, you know, like, it seems like you have a, you have a business that you could just let be your meal ticket or golden ticket for life now. How did you, how did you get the model to the right place where it was sustainable? It was economical. It was, it was generating revenue and a profit. Well, I started, uh, as far as the model, I looked to 37 signals at the time, which was kind of seemed to pioneer the subscription model, which, which was brand new at the time. I mean, this is back in like 2003, 2004, that like customers were scared to use their credit cards on the internet in those days, you know? It was a different world. So um, trying to, to launch this, it was, was a little bit different uh, than probably it would be today. But I, I started really small. Like I just basically launched with this horribly designed website that I made myself. <laughs> uh, in Photoshop and I like, chopped it up and figured out how to put it into HTML. And, you know, I, I told all my friends about it. I told the music teacher colleagues about it. I put up flyers all locally. I mean, didn't know much about online advertising. There wasn't really Google AdWords even back then, I don't think. Uh, maybe there was really shortly after. So everything was really grassroots. And I had probably at the end of the first year, I don't know, maybe 100 people trying to, like on the trial account. I don't, I, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but I remember, you know, three or four years in, I, I think I was making around $1,500 a month mm -hmm. net profit with it and thrilled by that because it was money that I wasn't making earlier, but that was after like 70 hour work weeks of like grilling it really hard morning, midday and evening through my lunch break and everything. But the, the pivots that happened were really very gradual at this stage. It was just basically adding new features. Customers would write in and they would say, wow, I love that it does this. Can you also make it do this? And my first reaction was always, of course, sure. Let me just make it do that <laughs> uh, because that sounds like a great idea. Of course, more teachers would want that. So eventually, you know, as I just kept adding and they'd see the new feature in like two days, right? And they'd think, wow, this is amazing. No company, you know, fixes their product and adds these new features within two days. They were thrilled with it. Customers were thrilled. And then they'd tell their friends and word of mouth spread. And it just became much more quickly growing through that word of mouth and through being very quick to respond to development requests. Mm. But it ended up, ended up over, over years with a fairly bloated product. 
that had a lot of features that maybe not all of them were necessarily needed. Uh, and so I had to rework the interface and ended up doing a complete rewrite of the software a few years down the road, which took a little bit of time. And is something I've also since realized is kind of a necessary, necessary evil that, that has to be taken into account with software is that it just gets outdated, right? I mean, mm -hmm. things change, browsers change, uh, programming languages change, and design to, I mean, I thought, my impression was, I'll write it once, I'll be done with it, and I can make money for life, right? That's kind of the idea. But it's not like that with software. You've got to continually, continually update it, and then sometimes you need to do some major updates and rewrites. Basically, pivoting, um, the other thing that I did at one point was realize that many of our teachers were growing to the point where they were wanting to hire other teachers to help teach their students. So oh. their, their businesses were growing. So that was a good thing. Hmm. And I realized we needed something else to support them. Uh, a, a way for uh, We needed the software to support multiple teachers. And there were two ways I could have gone with this. I could have just expanded the existing software to support multiple teachers. But it would have, I felt at the time, made it quite a bit more messy and difficult to manage. And I felt like there was a different customer base that I could be attracting as well beyond music if we go that route, because that, then we could be serving yoga studios and martial arts studios and art studios rather than just music studios. So I created a new software called Studio Helper and based off the same principles, but slightly different audience and also at a higher price. And that's one that uh, kind of a second business that branched out of Music Teachers Helper that is yeah, still currently running as well. I forgot about that, but you're, yeah, that's right. You are so ninja of an entrepreneur that you took, <laughs> in my eyes, you really are. You took, you took your music teacher's helper and then realized, wait a sec, this can be used for karate studios, art studios, yoga studios. Like, so, do you, so now you have all these subset brands, um, you know, same framework, same model, similar product. You basically cloned your product and modified it to suit each specific niche or industry. Is that right? In a way, um, Studio Helper is more generic, so it will work with all of them. It's not multiple copies branded to each one. It's one copy branded to everything. And I realized uh, at one point that we probably could be more effective if we did take, you know, smaller pieces, made separate websites and everything. I think the only reason we haven't is that those realizations came at a time when I was kind of ready to like, it was less than four hour work week. I'm like four hour work week and I'm like kind of done with it. You know, <laughs> I kind of wanted to move on to other things and wanted to do like these family travel events and stuff like that. So um, it became more of just a, I re also realized that it's easy to become too dispersed. Like if I had to manage 10 different brands, that is a much bigger expense. And then I'm not able to put as much of our resources into the core product, which we know is working and generating revenue. And if we're trying to go after multiple products in different industries, each of those could end up being a resource hog and not all of them may be successful. So we haven't created like karate teachers helper.com or anything like that and gone after karate teachers, for example. Mm -hmm. But those studios could go to studiohelper.com and get their needs met. In other words. Fantastic. And so is the CEO managing all these other side kind of niche products, which I understand there's only one really, right? Studio Helper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's managing them. 
Okay. So he's managing that. And is, and is he looking at expansion? Are you guys talking about, you know, how do we expand this to more yoga studios, karate studios? Yeah. Yeah. It's all the cards. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I've, forgot about that but uh you know last week in my research when i was looking you up and that sort of thing i did see that and i thought oh my goodness this is just so smart to expand the product to serve these other needs and niches mm. so massive kudos to you man thank you i want to talk about the four-hour work week you keep saying things like um i, I put my business on the four-hour work week and i'm and i was then a four-hour work week entrepreneur but how can that be because you're an original. You're from like the first version of the book. You're one of the first entrepreneurs that he talks about and does a case study with. You're one of the first on his website. You're in the book. How could you be a four-hour workweek entrepreneur when you were in it? And, that's, and that book is what launched the movement. I had launched the business before the book was out. However, it wasn't until I read the book. Well, I, see, I don't think I'm actually in the first chapter of the uh the original book i'm on his website he showcased me on the blog he did a couple posts about me so the book came out before that well actually now i'm trying to remember the timeline at any rate i read the book after i had launched my business but before i had done much to optimize it and to i, I was still working it was definitely not a four-hour work week lifestyle i was working full-time as a programmer I was getting up early, working through my lunch break and staying up late, trying to bootstrap this business. And the four-hour work week is, is one of the things that inspired me to start outsourcing more, start hiring help. Okay. So you read the book and then you implemented the practices because you were working you know, a full-time job and running this business in your lunch break, your after hours, before hours, coding, doing customer support, marketing, all that stuff. So how did you meet Tim Ferriss or how did he meet you? Um, I just received an email one day <laughs> saying that uh, he was interested. Well, actually, I, so I'd written this post on my blog called How I Spend My Time Now, and or How I Spend My Time, actually. And I had tracked every minute of every day, every, every second, no, every minute of every day for an entire week just to see how I spend my time because I was really curious. This is after we started traveling. This is after my business had kind of, I'd been kind of doing a four hour work week life lifestyle, but I wanted to really see how I was spending my time. Is it, how much time am I working? How much time am I with my family? How much time am I reading? Am I really putting my time to the things that I value the most? And I wanted to answer that question for myself. So I did this uh, little experiment, posted it on my blog. Tim found it, loved it, and wrote me and asked if he could repost it. I think that was after he originally wrote like did the showcase about my business on his blog. I, I wish I remembered the dates. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's how I was introduced. He just sent an email. I wrote back. I said, sure, let's, let's talk. He, he asked me a few questions and then asked if he could repost this post. And I said, yes. And that was that. It was pretty simple. Amazing. I haven't actually met him in person. Uh, <laughs> Even though, Maybe one day. Yeah. You've been featured on the website. Did he interview you? Not through Skype or anything like that. Just through email. After reading the book, you implemented you know, four hour work week notes and how to's and things like that, which I'm making my way through right now. It's fantastic. And uh, I myself, I'm using Upwork, looking to outsource, you know, more and more and just allow myself to do the things that I love and, and high priority actions. I heard that you still record your time. Is that right? You still record your time like by the second? That's right. I use, uh, now I just use a spreadsheet that I made 
it's one that I offer. In fact, you can get it for free if you go to dreamachievementblueprint.com. It's an online course I created about uh, achieving your dreams and uh, the, kind of the frameworks and the methods and tools that I use to do that. But this time tracking spreadsheet is one of the free tools I offer if you just sign up for the list. But I record, I have a list of my projects, a list of all the categories. And so, yeah, every few minutes I'll just, or every time I change tasks, I'll just notate what I'm doing. And then it has like bar charts and graphs showing how I'm spending my time in different categories. And it's, I just find it really helpful, not even just at the end of the week to look back on and say, I mean, it's helpful for this too, look back on it and, and see, am I really spending the time on the things that I value? But in the moment, just being in the habit of tracking my time is so helpful for me because it keeps me present on what I'm focusing on and what I'm working on so that, you know, if I get lost in Facebook or waste my time doing something and I have to actually notate it, you know, it brings that to my awareness and then I'm more conscious of how I'm working in the next, the next block of time. I find it a really valuable tool. Fantastic. For productivity. Fantastic. So we go to dream achievement blueprint.com that's right and we'll get the spreadsheet do we get all the bar graphs and charts and things like that too yeah that's all in the spreadsheet in different tabs wow so cool i'm totally going to check that out i did that exercise once a couple of years ago where you track everything that you're doing every task in your business and i and it was it was just goofy to see how much time i spent on email and things like that mm-hmm yeah. Help me realize that I, I hate email. I don't like email. And now I, <laughs> I have someone who sends me a message every morning on the emails, you know, for the night before and in the afternoon. So twice a day, I'm kind of doing what's in the four hour work week. He recommends twice a day, you know, like 12 p.m. and 4 p.m. or something. Like that. Yeah, I have an assistant as well. And getting getting a summary of the emails that need to be done or, or that you received is, yeah, it's great to be able to stay out of your inbox. I don't always stay out of my inbox <laughs> all day. Sometimes I'm in it all day, but uh, some days I, I leave it completely. So it just depends. No, I like that. I like that idea. I've never heard that before. Stay out of your inbox. Right now I'm using a, a tool called Asana mostly to keep track of the tasks that I, that I have to do. Okay, very cool. And how big is your team now and how many of those team members work closely with you? Is it just your one executive assistant or you have a person for this and a person for that and a person for that. Oh, okay. Well, I see I'm trying to think across multiple businesses here. Um, <laughs> uh, I have, I have one assistant and she's amazing. She's uh, Canadian and she's also on the family adventure summit team with me. So she handles a lot of the details, all, all the logistics really for family adventure summit. So we work very closely together, but then yeah, each of the businesses has other people in the, on the team. But as far as, my personal team, yes, it's basically just her. She's my assistant. And I mean, there's a, a graphics designer from the Philippines that works across multiple projects for me. But I think other than that, the people on the teams are pretty much in that business only that they're assigned to. Okay. And it sounds like you're not sure how many people there are in those different <laughs> No, well, it's kind of complicated. And some people are very part-time, like they'll work, you know, two hours a month or whatever, and other people are full-time. So it's, it is... Yeah, it's, it's a few dozen people overall, probably. But And is everyone on Upwork? You manage and hire everyone through Upwork? No. Some people are on Upwork. Some people are just, uh, they'll just pay them through, like, transfer-wise if they're international or PayPal or whatever. So, yeah, it just depends. I've, I've found people through <laughs> a myriad of sources. One resource that I've used a lot to find people in, in the early days, especially with Music Teachers Helper, was onlinejobs.ph. 
hiring a lot of Filipinos at the time, and you can find really skilled workers there for really good prices, I found, if you're hiring full-time. Do me a favor, please. Give us like an honest look. Were you doing other personal development work? Like there's so many seminars and courses and coaches and healers and masterminds and things that we can do and people and entrepreneurs can do and use to become entrepreneurs or better entrepreneurs or get over our blocks and limitations. And you've overcome a lot to have multiple businesses doing multi six figures and these international family travel retreats and your family's traveling with you. I imagine that personally, you must have overcome a lot. Am I right? And if so, how did you, how did you do that? What were some of the methods or tools? That's a great question. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of personal development stuff. Um, in the early days, I suppose it was just reading books and I wish I could remember, you know, all of them or some of the highlights. I guess I, some of the ones that had a, the biggest influence, I suppose, even just like the four-hour work week, for example, there was a book called The Power of Less by Leo Babauta about minimalism, which was inspirational to me as well and really helped me see the value in just not cluttering my life up. And I'm not just talking about physical things, but just focusing on what's essential and eliminating the rest. It was a great mindset shift for me. Mm. And also is part of what allowed us to travel the world. We basically sold everything and lived out of our backpacks for a number of years. We have a couple homes now, one in Bali, one in Mexico, that we keep a few things in, but really they're, they're just rentals. <laughs> we rent out on Airbnb when we're not there. And when we are there, we basically still just have what we carry with us, except for the furniture. We're pretty minimalistic. Dare I ask, um, do you have someone managing your Airbnb rentals for you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Air, yeah. Amy handles that for me. And then, or at least with the communication with the people. And then once they hit the ground, we have property management staff in each house that takes care of the guests. Wonderful. Locally. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. So go back. Did you have any courses? Did you spend any thousands of dollars on Tony Robbins or some courses or some coaches? Or was it just all books? It was all books at first. I mean, I went to a couple like real estate seminars, I think, and read the rich dad books and stuff like that. But no, I, I, later on, I think probably 2015 or 16 or something like that, uh, went to a couple Brandon Burchard events, High Performance Academy and Experts Academy and World's Greatest Speaker Training and went, went through his, his gamut there. And my wife became a high performance coach as well through his program. And uh, that, was, that was really helpful as well. A lot of it was stuff I'd heard or read before, but it was good to get it in that format and, and see also what it was that. This is one of the other things that probably inspired me a little bit more to do events myself because I felt the power of being there in that environment, even though it was like loud blaring music. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this kind of music. I want to have to dance to it. This feels really goofy. But being there and allowing myself to just kind of open up to that, it was pretty transformational. And I could feel the energy and the power of it and realized I wanted to create something that different, but uh, something that was also transformational and energizing for other people as well and for families. Beautiful. Let's talk about that. You know, your family is, from what I've seen in my research, your family's kind of helping you with the work and the business. It's like, I think one of your daughters is doing articles or blogs or editing or something like that. And then I know you have a daughter who at 15 started her first business and she's doing professional video work for people. Yeah. Our, our oldest is, is 15. She has her own video editing business called Crystal Cut Studios. And she does a lot of our video editing. She may, if you go to familyadventuresummit.com and look at the, uh, 
the highlights video of our event last year in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. She put that together and did a beautiful job in just four days. Uh, we released it over uh, before the event was finished. We wanted to show everyone at the end a highlights reel of the event. And she did a great job with that. Beautiful. I, I watched the but video, yeah, by the way. I watched it. Oh, I just want to say it's great. She did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of happy clients right now. She helps in that way. Um, we have had our girls write an article or two here and there on the blog, but nothing, nothing major. But mostly it's video work that they help with. And then, of course, it's just as far as in our travels in general, we, we talk with the girls and we make sure that we're going places that we all want to go and or we take turns and compromise, but um, that we're really taking everyone's needs and everyone's desires into account as we go about our lives and our travels. And I mean, because it's, uh, we've got a lot going on right now. And so we really need to prioritize the time that we have together. And man, I, I just can't believe how fast it's going and how quickly they're growing up. You know, I'm sure you have teenagers, um, but I mean, just seeing how, how quickly it all goes by, it just makes me really want to just keep cherishing every moment that we have together while we're here. So, you know, every night we spend time together, every week we have a full day where we're just together, no electronics if we can help it, and just spend time together. We regularly go on extended trips together. Uh, we have dates with each of our kids every week, uh, stuff like that. We just try to do what we can to prioritize being together in addition to, you know, whatever time we spend at home. Wow. You know, my jaw is almost on the floor because it sounds like you have, like I said at the beginning, I introduced you, I said, yeah, I think you have the ideal life. Like, I've got three kids, devices and internet addiction are kind of a thing in our modern world, at least in the Western world. You live on a different planet, by the way. You know, you get to, <laughs> I live in the Western world. You live on a different planet where you get to travel and your kids have a business and they're in their teens and you spend a day together. We've instituted things like Wi-Fi free Sunday, which I think a lot of people have, have taken and borrowed and they, they enjoy it. And we thank God we did that. But even then there's resistance, you know, there's resistance on like, oh, do I, do we, does it have to be Wi-Fi off? Can I use my device? Or they'll like download episodes of stuff on Netflix prior to the Sunday, knowing that the Sunday's coming. You see what I mean? It's like, <laughs> are your kids doing that? Or is it just yeah. like, what, what's going on? <laughs> Honestly, it's, uh, I probably have the worst addiction of all of them. And so they're, they're often calling me out. Uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to, they, they're happy to spend less time on the electronics because, well, first of all, we don't restrict them. So we're, we follow more of an interest-led learning approach. So they don't go to school. They are free to do whatever they want all day long, pretty much. Uh, and so they spend a lot of time learning online. That's where they get most of their education from, except for when they have classes they want to attend. Like our, our oldest went to a biology class today because she was interested in that locally here. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's sometimes resistance, but typically any time that we can spend together as a family, they love that. And there's not really any resistance to it, unless it's maybe like, hey, let's watch a documentary tonight. And they're like, no, we don't want to watch a documentary. We want to watch a more entertaining show, you know, something like that. <clears throat> so, but it depends on the day, depends on the kid, depends on the mood. The reason that there's less resistance, I think, is because we don't force them to do anything. I mean, we have one day a week, as I said, where, where it's family day and there's no electronics, but we say, what do you want to do? It's our day together. And the, this week they want to go buy some fabric and sew, and then they want to bake a cake at home and then, and then decorate it. So that's what we're going to do. 
<laughs> for a day. So, I mean, we just talk about wow. what we want to do and that's, that's what they want to do. So that's what we do. Uh, and that doesn't involve electronics. If they said what we want to do is we want to play this computer game together. And, and we've done that before too. And then that's what we do. So it just depends. You guys have blown my mind. Your family blows my mind. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm personally working towards it. It's like creating a counterculture almost with the devices. And, and, I, and I understand that's fantastic. You give them the freedom some days. Yeah, we're just going to play on our devices. Okay, cool. So maybe you know, we need to look at things differently. Maybe we need to attend the Family Adventure Summit because when I watched those videos and I saw those clips of families getting together in the same room, doing fun things together, learning about travel and business and having fun and adventure all together, I was just like, I almost just bought the tickets without talking to my wife, which of course, you know, we make, <laughs> you know, we make the decisions together. So I, you know, I was able to control myself, but I was nearly like, bye, bye, bye right now. You know, it's just the ideal, ideal scenario, you know, traveling, doing what you love, seeing the world. God, like what better education than travel, you know? Well, the cool thing about it too, is that like a lot of people feel like they can't do it until they have you know, some certain, I mean, I guess there are a certain level of income you need, a certain situation, but there are families doing this at pretty much every budget and life situation you can imagine. All you really need is a commitment and a mm -hmm. desire. This is, yeah, this is what our family is going to do. And you're really feeling drawn to it and you can figure out how to make it work. You can live so cheaply in some parts of the world that some people are able to fund their entire travel adventures just from renting out their house or their car, you know, on Airbnb or Turo or something like that. And then forget work, you know, or, or some people live off of savings and they just travel three, four months out of the year uh, after working the rest of the year. There are a lot of different ways to do it, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it is pretty cool. And now some great resources that we are excited to share with you. www.whatsmyrefund.com whatsmyrefund.com is a website that will bring you to a tax recovery service for Canadians. This is a fantastic company that I've used over the years, and I think it's a brilliant resource. I just have to share it with you. Did you know that there are over $2 billion that the Canadian government knows they owe to Canadian citizens? This is a tax recovery service that will go through 10 years of your taxes for you on your behalf using a brilliant algorithm that they've created, which will quickly and instantly recognize in a short period of time if you have money that's owing to you from the government. They charge nothing up front. If they find anything, their fee is 33% of whatever they recover. It takes two minutes to fill out the application online, and you'll know within a short period of time if you'll be getting a refund. I myself personally have received over $3,000 from a refund, and this is after my father and I completed our taxes together. Oh, and by the way, my dad was a bank manager, and he completed taxes for people on the regular. Much love, Dad. Thank you so much. But this service is dedicated to your tax recovery. Go to www.whatsmyrefund.com. I have to say, I'm very interested in all of your businesses, the Family Adventure Summit and the Family Mastermind, those businesses and those events really sparked my interest. And one of the super cool, brilliant ninja entrepreneur things you did is you offered a free download of data that you gathered from other families and you segmented and broke down the data in pie charts and graphs showing what percentages of uh, people have what percentages of income, how much they live on and, and what 
percentages and breakdowns. And I thought, this is brilliant because what stops people from doing that is they think we can't do it on our income or I can't do it on this budget or I don't know how to make money this way to allow me to do that overseas or whatever. And you provided all this value breaking down all these numbers and figures of actual families and people that you surveyed. And a lot of them live on less than three grand a month. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like more than 50%, I think, or around 50%. You can find great three, four bedroom places for, you know, under $1,000 a month. Or I mean, I, we've seen places for $300 a month. You can rent a decent three bedroom house in Costa Rica or in a lot of different parts of the world. If you eat, eat like the locals do eating, you know, the fruits and vegetables from the market and such like that, rather than the imported stuff, man, you could live so cheap in a lot of these places. So it doesn't take a lot. The most expensive part are often the flights, but you can get discounts and stuff on those too. I mean, th- these are the kind of tricks that, uh, that we teach at the Family Adventure Academy in Seattle. And I mean, if you want to come to Family Adventure Summit, that is awesome as well. Uh, although it is already 95% sold out and it's eight months away. So I think uh, that's going to fill up pretty soon. But Family Adventure Academy is really where we teach all of that stuff in detail. Family Adventure Summit is kind of a, a mishmash of a whole bunch of a lot of different topics, but it's Family Adventure Academy is like a really set program that leads you through everything. Is that the boot camp? Because you mentioned earlier in yeah. the episode boot camp. That's the boot camp. So yep. what is one, is it the parents in the boot camp or the family? It's the parents only. Yeah. So you can really focus on, on getting the, yeah, on, on learning what is there to be, to be learned. Uh, whereas Fa- Family Adventure Summit, there's a lot of learning too, but it's also a lot of play and fun. And there, we have performances and we have like the kids put on a musical theater production and there's cultural activities that we bring in and the, there's roundtable discussions and there's keynote sessions and there's a whole bunch of different stuff from speakers from all over the community. And, and that's in Bali this year. Family Adventure Academy is just three days, just with parents, just with our core team, teaching you one full day on logistics of how to save money and travel affordably and how to plan a travel journey that's really fulfilling and meaningful for your family. A full day on education and all the different ways you can handle education on the road from birth to university or whatever your choice is for your future. A full day on finances and funding your travel adventure and how to create an income source that can sustain you. And then interwoven throughout all three days is a focus on family connection and on really uh, relationships and deepening those connections and dealing with the challenges that come up along the way as far as relationships. And we do this through lectures and training from the the front and all that, but there's also group coaching, there's time for introspection and writing, and it's really not for us to tell you here's the right way to do it. It's really for us to show you some options and you to tune in to the way that you want to do it. And then we can provide support and encouragement for that. Outrageous. (laughs) <laughs> it's brilliant, Brandon. It's brilliant. That's, <laughs> that's why you're on the Business Brilliance podcast. <laughs> I feel like you have the golden touch. Do you feel like you have the golden touch? You have a couple of different businesses doing really great things, all serving a great need or great needs, you know, doing well, you're living well, like you're healthy, your family is together, you're traveling. Do you think you have the golden touch? Do you have something, you know, what's next? And is, do you have the Midas touch on that too? You know, I, looking at it, I guess, I guess you could say I do, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't feel necessarily like that to me. It feels like I'm just following my heart. Like I'm just doing what I can't help but do because I feel so driven or so passionate or so interested in, in the things that I'm doing. 
that, I mean, that's what I choose to do. <laughs> I mean, if I, if I cut everything out, if I sold everything and had millions and just went and retired somewhere and twiddled my, what am I going to do now? You know, I feel like this is probably what I, I just jumped right back into what I'm doing because I love it. So that's, that's why I'm doing this. Amazing. Well, I got to be honest, we, you know, we're talking about the now, but 15 years is a long time. Music teacher helper has been 15 years. Yeah. And like you said, many years you were doing everything first three years and you grew slowly and you pivoted and you changed. So you've put in the time. This is what our listeners need to know is that you've put in the time, you've read the books, you've put in the education, you've given up control, you've let go. You talked about faith. You talked about trusting. And you've gone for your dreams and you got your family on board with you. And that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that is, that's, that's absolutely what it takes. It's not, it doesn't just come by accident. I mean, I do think there is an element of luck in timing. You know, I mean, it was the right time for Music Future Celebrity to be launched. It's the right time for Family Adventure Summit, but it also required me to recognize that it was the right time and to do the work to, to put them out there. Did you have... Thank you so much for, for saying that, man. Honestly, people need to know it doesn't come by accident. But I want to know, did you have other things you were considering at the time of Family you know, Adventure Summit and things like that? Did you have other ones and you chose, let's go to Family Adventure, let's do that one, let's focus on that one? Um, not at the time. However, you just reminded me of one business that I created that, well, I didn't actually finish creating it, but it, you could call it a failure, right? <laughs> a business that didn't work out that says I don't have the Midas touch. Because all of these other ones were just first-time businesses. And, I just want to, and I'll tell you about the story about this failure in a minute. But I just want to point out one other thing that I really think is key to creating a successful business, or at least one that will be fulfilling to you. And you have to have your heart in it. And you have to really be committed to it. But this story about the, the business that was a failure was I was traveling for a few years at this point, And, of course, I'm a musician. I'm a pianist. And I missed having a piano with me when we were traveling. And I thought, well, how cool would it be if I could have like a full 88 key digital stage piano, really high quality sound, just awesome piano. And it folded into thirds so I could carry it with me into carry-on luggage. And I could just take it with me wherever I go. Wow. And I thought this was awesome. And I knew nothing about mechanical engineering or electronical engineering or any of that stuff. But I started sketching ideas and then I hired an engineer and I hired a few people. And I said, I'm going to spend 20 grand, see if I can get this off the ground. Maybe I'll launch a Kickstarter campaign. Maybe I'll do something like that. And if we can get it going, then I'll take it all the way. And if not, then I'll drop it. And uh, we got the first prototype made and it looked like it was going to work pretty well. Unfortunately, the electronics engineer ended up getting cancer. He actually already had cancer, but we didn't know and ended up passing away very tragically. And so all of the information, the things that he was working on that he kind of kept in his house and things I'd had, I'd had him sent parts and everything, they all got kind of lost in the shuffle and his family wasn't really in, involved in communicating with me very well. And so a lot of things got lost and we kind of had to start over. So I had to hire a new engineer and a new team and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long story short, it ended when I found out that one of the parts that I had ordered 
I had to order this this key bed from Italy that was like nine hundred dollars to sh- to ship, <laughs> just for the shipping to get it to the engineer's house. And I was trying to do all this remotely, which is crazy for a physical product. Uh, I learned. So anyway, I went and finally was able to physically check it out, and I'm like, this is way too heavy. There's no way that this could ever work mm-hmm. to carry on a plane. It's like heavier than a regular piano, you know. And so by then, I'd spent pretty much almost twenty grand, and I'm like, okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm done with this. And, and I realized at the same time, like, I don't really want to own a piano manufacturing company. I just want the dang piano. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and so at that point I realized, you know, maybe I'm not the right person to, to start this. So that That's is the story of, of, I guess you could say a failure of business. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That, that was an amazing one. I actually thought you were going to say that you were going to create a business of like, Airbnb for musical instruments or like Airbnb for, you know, like traveling pianos. Like what if I could just go to someone's house and show up at their door in Indonesia and be like, Hey, while you're, I'm here to pick up your, you know, grand piano for a few days, you know, something like that. Like <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. And, and I wonder if you watch Shark Tank because Kevin, the guy the, you know, one of the central guys talks about um, going, taking a bad idea behind the barn and shooting it. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> I'm guessing that's what you did eventually with your 20 grand afterwards. Yep. I pretty much had to shoot it. I'd love for someone else to take the idea and run it because I'd love to buy the piano, but I don't, I realize I don't want to make it. Well, Hey, maybe someone will do that uh, Airbnb music instrument rental business, you know, traveling. There you go. I could work too. Yeah. Traveling expat instrumentals or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Last question, you know, I'm really curious, by the way, thank you so much for everything you shared. It's, it's pure gold. It's brilliant. I'm really curious whose idea was it to take the family, settle everything and get up and go. And when did you guys make that decision? All right. This was around 2008, 2000, yeah, 2008 or so. My wife and I had both always wanted to travel more, but we didn't really see it as a possibility or know that we could until we read a book (laughs) called The New Global Student by Maya Frost. And this kind of inspired us. It was about a family who had traveled a lot and they had teenage girls and just the way that they had been able to make that work for them. And also by that point, our business was making enough to realize I just barely quit my job and I realized, hey, well, wait, we've got this online business we can do from anywhere. You know, why are we sticking around the States? I mean, we also felt a little bit like we were kind of stagnating there and doing the same things every day. And just like we could see if we stayed there, what would happen is we'd get a bigger house and a nicer car and we'd just collect more stuff. And we knew that wouldn't really make us more happy, but we felt like what we could really use was an opportunity to expand our minds by putting ourselves in completely different environments with different people, hearing different ideas, and also giving our kids the chance to learn new languages and to just to be together as a family more in a different context. And so it was kind of both of our ideas, but I was very hesitant because of the complication of the logistics. I'm like, you know, what are we going to do with our mail? You know, if we sell our house, how do we get mail? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Questions like like that. Or, and what do we do with all our stuff? And just like, oh, can you imagine selling everything? Like, how am I, I have to document it all and then list it on Craigslist or something. And it's just so much work. And I, I was overwhelmed by the logistics of it and then just wanting to make sure that it would all work out financially and so many unknowns. Like, what is it even like and where do we go and where do we stay when we get there? And 
what are we going to eat? And what if we don't like it? And, you know, all those questions. Mm. My wife was pretty confident that she's like, you know, this is obviously something that we want to do. This is something we can do. And it feels good to us. It feels right in our hearts. So this is, again, going back to following our hearts. And I just, I saw, you know, you're right. We, we got to make this work. And so being the logistical mastermind, I guess, <laughs> that I am, she's much more the, you know, the heart driven and I'm more the, the mental, let's figure out how to do it. So I, I put my logistical brain on and I figured out a way and we, we made it happen. So it was a combination of both of our efforts and both of our desires. Beautiful. Got us out. Beautiful, beautiful. So her heart centered, you know, focus and your logical figuring it out both work together and you guys just got it done. And I'm guessing you just took the leap. It's, it's a leap, right? You just, you just took the leap. You just let go you, and you just trusted. It's absolutely a leap. Although we gave ourselves a bit of a safety net in that before we set out, before we sold our house, before we did all that stuff, we decided let's just test the waters a little bit. And we took a six week trip to Panama where we kind of practiced <laughs> to see what it would be like to be together 24 hours a day exploring new places. And we found that we bonded together as a family during those six weeks more than we had our entire, our, throughout our kids' entire lives. And we're just like, wow, this is amazing. And we felt more present, more connected to each other. And we were learning things and just adventuring and having so much fun and having challenges, but like working through them. And we just came back and we're like, we want more of this. We got to do this again. And that's when we decided, let's sell the house. Let's make it permanent. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with your family. <laughs> As a, if that, in case that wasn't obvious already. How did your kids react to that? Like, how did your kids react to, we're going to, so I'm, I'm guessing you tested it with the six week trip, which was brilliant, by the way. Yep. And then they were cool with that. And they're like, okay, six weeks, probably, right? They, they were probably okay with that. Yeah. Well, at the time they were five and three. Oh. So at that age, you know, they pretty much go along with whatever mom and dad want to do. And But, you know, there were, when we announced that we're going to sell our, our things, you know, they, it was a time when, you know, back, it was, you know, typical United States living. We had a lot of junk. Their closets were full of toys that they almost never played with. But when we told them we'd have to get rid of them all, except for a few things they can put in their suitcase, you know, they were a little bit like, mm, I don't know. But then one of them was like, well, I'm happy to give away my toys to, to people who, because we said, we'll donate some of them to kids who don't have toys, you know, we'll, mm. we'll, we'll donate things. They were, they were really happy to be able to do that. Mm. So then they were able to think about the toys they were giving away and who they would be helping and that kind of thing. So that, that was really good. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, it was an adventure for all of us and it was exciting. And, and kids, when they go to new places, they just, they like to explore and go around and see what's new. And it was just constant exploration, constant novelty, constant stimulation that who needs electronics? <laughs> when yeah. You've got so much stimulation, although we had them, we've always had them and we use them regularly, but there's so much else out there for us that it, I guess, going back to that is probably one reason why it hasn't really been a problem in our family necessarily. Don't your kids talk about like, do they have difficulty with their friends and don't they want to be close to their friends and they, and they can't communicate or connect with their friends as much or as well? Yeah. So, so this, as they got older, especially like maybe around nine, 10, 11, 12 uh, and into their teens, they started forming deeper friendships that they really wanted to keep. And so, especially if we were in a place for six months or a year or whatever, and they made really good connections and we said goodbye, that became really hard. Fortunately, we do live in a day where we have 
video chat and, you know, Google Hangouts and Snapchat and, and whatever. And so the kids are able to stay in touch with the friends that they really care about. And they regularly have email or video conversations with the friends. And also the ones that they really click with, we just make sure we make time to be together. So we'll go and we'll travel together somewhere in the world or we'll go visit them or they'll visit us and we'll stay together or we'll hang out together. So we just kind of make it a priority to value those friendships and, and to keep them up wherever we are. Sometimes it's still not enough. You know, sometimes it's still, we really miss this person. We really want to be, be with this person. And, and it's hard because now they have friends all over the world. <laughs> and so there's not like one place we can go back to where all their friends are going to be, you know, it's, right. they're always going to be missing somebody. But I figure, I mean, that's kind of the nature of, of life anyway. I mean, we live in, in a, in a society where even, even if we're in the same town as people, we don't always see them regularly, you know, and, uh, and people move and it's just, I think it's, it's kind of the world we live in. So I don't know there's pros and cons, but, um, but that's, that's how we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Understandable. It's like, we think that everything will be sunshine and rainbows if we just, you know, let go of our stuff and travel the world and stuff. But then there's, yeah, relationships that you forge and then you miss those people and, then you have different personalities that want different things. And how do you accommodate? Are you drawing straws? Are you picking them out of a hat? You know? Yeah. You know, and but I guess you have, you have communication tools and understandings and boundaries and structures set up to help you guys through that. Right? We do. And just one other note on relationships is that we've also found that we tend to go deeper in our relationships much more quickly with the families we meet on the road because we, have an instant connection and so much in common that, and we know that our time together might be short. And so a lot of the walls that are typically up in, you know, North America or whatever, in typical suburban culture kind of break down and we just we're open and vulnerable with each other from like day one, practically, you know, as we go on this journey together. So, which, which is a wonderful thing, but it also, of course, when you create those connections, it can be sad to say goodbye. But we also know for so many of them, they come back to Family Adventure Summit and it's like a family reunion, right? And you get to see all your friends again. So that's one of the other things that we love. There you go. But yeah, as for communication, yeah, we have a family meeting every week, every Sunday, where we go over the needs of each person in the family. What, what are we each needing? What are we wanting? What can we do to, to bring that about this week or in the near future? We go over our upcoming plans for the week. What do we want to add in? What And I'll also review the previous week. What didn't work last week? What do we want to do different? And look over our upcoming travel schedule. And I, I kind of made it pretty. I made a little Trello board with pictures and everything. So <laughs> they can kind of see where we're going. Stuff like that. So And then, of course, you know, they're always welcome to talk to us about anything, anytime. And we have our weekly dates where we sometimes talk about things that are challenging. But family meetings, the time where we really get together as a family and discuss the different needs that we each have and how to work with those and come to come to decisions on it. You know, Brandon, you've given me so much and I think you've given our audience so much. You've let us into your lives. I know it's personal. You let us into your family and your habits and your, your mindset as well and, and how you organize and work things through. So I must give you a deep, deep thank you and appreciation on behalf of myself, my family, <laughs> and all the entrepreneurs and business owners out there and, and families out there that are listening. So this will be an episode that uh, I know I'll come back to, you know, once or twice. Um, and I'm sure many family members will as well. So thank you for sharing your time with us. 
your wisdom, your experience, and your knowledge. It's been a pleasure, Michael. Thank you for having me on. What do you want to leave our guests with? What would you like to leave? Uh, you know, you've given us plenty of resources. They're all going to be listed on the website in the show notes, but is there anything you want to say before we, before we depart? The key for me and that I'd just like to reiterate for everyone is follow your heart. I mean, if traveling the world inspires you, then you can find a way to make it happen. But, you know, it's maybe not for everybody and maybe something else is calling you even stronger. So whatever that is, pay attention to it and trust that you can live your dreams, whatever they are. So that would be my message. Brilliant. Powerful. Thank you. I I think I'll be attending the Family Adventure Summit. You know, I'm a little lost on the names, but if you're either the academy or the uh, or the summit, but I did highlight with with big underlines the academy because the boot camp sounds like where it's at. So I think I'll be attending. You might have to save me a spot. There's only five percent of seats left. You might have to save me a spot. Yeah, Family Adventure Academy still plenty of seats left. It's Family Adventure Summit that is almost booked out. That's the one in Bali. But the Family Adventure Academy, you'll be able to get seats. But I do recommend still booking soon. Amazing. Thank things. you. Thank you. Yeah. And Thank I, you. I'd love to see you there. Yeah. I'm going to have to now. I feel like I'm part of the family. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Business Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Michael Santanato. If you liked this show and you want to know more, then check out businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Give us some feedback, drop us a line, or if you know a great guest, then let us know. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week when we talk to another great entrepreneur and talk about their business and what makes them brilliant. You want to be a guest on the show? Let us know at our website businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Have a great week and stay brilliant. And subscribe for more great episodes.